everybody and welcome to another E5 podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Paul Meenan. Thank you for tuning in. And I am joined by both my tag team partners uh, on the, the last, potentially, of this series covering Amendment 2. Introduce yourself, chaps. Hello, I'm JW. And it's David Watts, a.k.a. Sparky Ninja. That's it. The gang are all back together. Um, David couldn't join us in the last sessions we were recording this. He was um, slightly preoccupied. Slightly. Um, slightly, yes. Just dealing with life's challenges as they throw stones at our, our greenhouse. Um, we finished at the end of part six. So for those listening on the way to work, um, the next two parts of the regulations, um, well, we'll get into part seven, which is um, special installations or locations uh dave do you want to start off since uh you're back in well i'm actually trying to figure out i mean you i've just heard about a change in bathrooms and i'm looking for it all right okay so where is it <laughs> so okay so section 701 702 and 703 bathrooms swimming pools and saunas yeah, um, yeah, it states where uh, regulation seven oh one two or three four one four dot three sources for self and pelv. Uh, the regulation states where self or pelv is used in zones one two and three, a source described in <laughs> regulation four one three part four shall not be used. Oh yes, well that's that's um, I remember that one. That's so that is where a certain method of achieving self. Mm-hmm. where it uses electronics um, and there's a potential in that source of cell for a higher voltage to appear on the secondary, I believe. And mm-hmm. they don't like that in the presence of water, clearly. Wonder why. So one potential method of achieving protection against self is not suitable, which does mean we now need to be very careful with the way we achieve self. Is this a new part of the regulation or is this a rewording of the existing, Dave? Um, I'm pretty sure it's an exception now. Let's have a look. Hang on. Hang on. I've got the actual main book in front of me. Um, 701 self. What's the regulation number? Uh, oh. Well, it's actually 414.3 according to this. 414.3. That, that is. But it's referenced in, in 701. That's, that's not in the current book. It goes 701 413.3. Yeah, in the current book, it goes 701414, uh, 4. and that's it. Yeah, but yeah it it's does. Not, uh, covered it's a new it. regulation. So yeah. it's not in there. So it's a new, it's a new thing. Okay, it's so what's uh, this new requirement for bathrooms then, chaps? If anyone can find where that is, or are we still swimming through treacle? You know about the distance? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it. I'm just, uh, obviously, I'm not seeing it in the document. Yeah, oh, okay. It's a single line. I've altered it. Seven oh one five one two dot three. Yep, that's the one. So it was three meters for socket outlets from the edge of zone one or the edge of the bath, basically. And now it's two point five meters. Yeah, it's sneaky. It's right at the end. It's hard. Oh, to Oh, it's see. right at the end. So seven oh one five one two point three socket outlets are prohibited within a distance of two point five horizontally from the boundary of zone one. Mm. Okay, so what is the significant reason that we actually now have taken thirty cent, uh, taken half a meter off? I've no, no idea, idea, mate. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the rest of Europe, they generally don't have this restriction at all. It's normally just outside the zones you can have sockets. So 
it's kind of a UK thing, but it's not a UK only regulation. So. Surely so, somebody has appealed this. Somebody has said, I mean, is is it maybe the typical cord set? Um, well, we have everyone listening to this has the opportunity or watching this has the opportunity to appeal it and, and write your comments. Um, it's very difficult as well. Finding these new little bits from when we did our webinar, because mm. the document that's out on the website doesn't highlight the changes. You have to read it line by that's line. The, and That's the problem. That's why I couldn't find that blooming difference just then. We can't see these. No, we can't because it's all one color text, which is incredibly frustrating. Um, but the BSEN uh, um, numbers are in color, which is even, it's even stranger. Yeah. And the problem is if they've just if it's a new sentence put in, you can usually spot it with the two the old one. But if it's just but why numbers change, it's really hard. But, but why can't they have put into it the lines that we have in the existing book? In the book, we have those lines to show change. They could at least put those lines in the draft so that we yeah, can yeah the see lines them. on the boundary that shows yeah. it's a new part. Yeah, you, you know what? Because That's a valid point. Us to look at this huge document, which is hundreds of pages, six hundred and thirty-eight pages, with, with no key indicators of where there is something that we need to actually see. That's different. So yeah, and the worst thing is six hundred thirty-eight. Current edition is basically five hundred and sixty, five hundred and fifty-five. So it's a whopping great edition. Of, of so, but the only way for you to review this properly is to read this word for word and to flick yeah. through the current book word. Well, this is why we had headaches on Monday and Tuesday because <clears> it was just yeah. a nightmare using the online system. Um, luckily, yeah. So coming back to this one, um, two point five meters. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't I mean, see the point. I, I mean, don't, I don't I, see the point of it. Either we're going I to do. stick with the three meters and not have sockets in bathrooms, or we're going to go down the route of the rest of the world pretty much and have sockets in bathrooms. So, which is it going to be? It seems this to be is, sort of this is sockets hand. other than self. And the yeah, this is your normal socket outlet. This is your typical 13 amp socket. Paul, oh, you said I do. So, what do you think? This is going to raise a lot more questions. This is going to, you can see this being explained in a revised um, guidance note seven, mm. without a doubt. Um, but I think a lot of installers will see this as a good thing. I see this as the f the first start of a slow. I've said this for a while now. When you've done 20 years in this industry and you've you've learned the regulations and tutors especially will, will, will identify with this. When you've learned the regulations, you can see a systematic shift in the approach of things. When I started, RCDs were introduced to supplementary energy protection. Now they're mandated. This distance has gone from three metres to two and a half metres. In 20, 25 years, it will probably be, as John said, probably half a metre. Why? Because over that, over those 20 years, there will be a, a, a phased, there will be RCBOs everywhere. So the risk is but, lower. So they can reduce the risk and the distance in the regulations. But is the presence, but here's the question, Paul, is the presence of having an RCD on the final circuit supplying this source of the equipment an answer to the risk of us plugging equipment in and going in the bath with it? No. <laughs> so, yeah. where, but that's where that trend you've just described is going surely yeah i know i know it's it's think, scary it yeah. depends on the equipment now and that's that's the scary thing there is a there is potentially and i'll say potentially kindly uh, potentially mm. a gap in what we plug into the fixed installation uh, and what we use as to what we're selecting and erecting so i would love the mindset shift to include and i i don't know if i said this on a previous podcast on the webinar mm. when we talked about earth leakage john there are standards available, although they cost thousands of pounds to access, that define product leakage. Now, that, in my professional opinion, should be an appendix 
in the back of the regulations with a list of all the products, common products you can get with what their minimum and their maximum leakage is, along with the formulas for working out the installation leakage so that the installer has the best chance to select and erect his RCDs accordingly. Years ago, 20 years ago, and I remember having this conversation with Electrical Safety Council when they were oh, first so formed. A few years ago then. Yeah, a few years. Oh, I feel old. Um, but Electrical Safety Council said, no, all, all we really consider is the fixed wiring. Whatever people plug into is irrelevant. It's all resistive and inductive loads. It's not anymore. It's electronic. It's stuff that we know leaks by design into the fixed installation. So the installation has to consider the connected loads, the regulation on type A RCDs, the regulation on earth leakage, the regulation on mutual compatibility, all tell us we need to be thinking about the connected loads. So the mindset of Sparks that learned 20 years ago, if it's the same as it what it was 20 years ago, is wrong. We need to shift along that journey with the technology. Just a thought. Yeah. The problem I've got with this whole bathroom sockets thing is the fact that at the moment it's the three metres. Mm. But the problem is that that three metres does not extend outside the room. So if you have a little ensuite bathroom in your bedroom and it's a little tiny like six by four foot room, you can quite allowably put a socket outlet on the wall in the bedroom side right next to the door, Just plug it in which is virtually mm. within a, a metre or so of the bath. But because it's not in the bathroom, it's permitted. But if your bathroom is, say, huge, you cannot have that in that same distance. It has to be three metres away. Mm. So the fact that zones don't go out of the doorway makes a whole mockery of the whole thing, really. I mean, I remember when I used to work in a local authority on the voids, we were actually instructed by the NIC at the time. If there was um, a lot of the a lot of the properties had, you know, the separate toilet to bathroom in like flats and things, but they were right next to each other. And there was that wall between the two. And on that mm -hmm. wall be the light switch, two gang switch, one on the right for the bathroom, one on the left for the toilet. I believe it was a socket outlet. And we were told on the, doing the void EI uh, periodics at the time to always blank them off. Because people would just plug in and a typical extension lead, you know, the typical one meter long, would then be able to get in underneath a door, which were always hovering above. There's no fire ceiling then. And they'd sit on the side of the bed of the bath. Um, so we had to do that back then. And it just seems today that we're kind of playing with this so much because it, maybe we're just relying too much on the way technology is evolving. But um, I don't know if our understanding of this technology is evolving with it. What's frightening is, yes, I agree, our understanding of technology um, is somebody always has to die for this to change. Mm. And that's scary because no one should have to die. No one. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, a scary, it's a scary thought process. Right, 704, construction and demolition sites. Uh, been on him a few, a few times in my life. I'm sure all you boys have. Um, Seven oh four 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 three. Um, this is a new one, isn't it, Dave? Um, yeah, yeah. This is obviously just increasing the um, consideration of overvoltage. Uh, this obviously is not to do with um, atmospheric transients. This is to do uh, with switching over voltages. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it just says transient overvoltage of atmospheric origin or due to switching, and then it gives an example: cranes, lifts, cement, mixers, and similar items. Yeah, liable to produce switching over voltages. Makes and you're sense. not going to get you're not going to get a better example of a high switching um, frequency than a construction site where power supplies dip into nothing other than site cabins, and then during peaks and troughs go absolutely bonkers with various trades mm. plugging in. Although, in fairness, do we get that as much now? Because most of the trades, the manual trades, are all cordless battery chargers. A lot of it, a lot of it is, yeah. A lot of construction sites now try to go down the old um, 
battery cordless try to you know a lot of a lot of sites really the only real electrical uh, systems are lighting and things like that Um, a lot of the work is done with uh, battery power there are times though where battery power is just not enough I agree. Yeah, batteries are fine, not to a point, but if it's like some heavy duty uh, thing you need, then maybe it's not. It's mainly the civils boys who need it in it for this. Got to, yeah, you got you got to get the work done, haven't you? At the end of the day, and you just can't achieve. Although that. in fairness, nowadays to reduce that risk, it's all done off site and then just pumped up. Uh, I've in my career, I've actually been on a concrete pour. Where I've actually had to hold what they call the elephant's trunk from the concrete pour, and when that starts, <laughs> it it doesn't stop. And I'll tell you now, that hurt. Yeah, uh, I wanted. I was mocking the civil engineers as you do when you're on site. You have banter, and um, I said, "Oh, one." They were talking about wiring and doing conduit. So I said, "I tell you what. Next time you do some concrete, I'll show you how easy it is." Oh boy, it hurt. It hurt like hell. There are photos that exist, by the way, of me in on uh, a rebar with an elephant's trunk, screaming for people to help me because <laughs> it was it was hard work. It it really does have a kick to it. Um. Okay. So moving on. 706 conducting location with restrictive movement and this reg, this part of the regs is as oh they changed the name of it because it used to be restrictive conductive locations didn't it or am i going bonkers am i literally going it mad? may have but it's been yeah. conductive locations with restricted movement i think for since the 17th oh so well there you go that for a while. Shows, yeah yeah that's me that's uh, me sometimes people part of the regs sometimes people don't really understand exactly what is within this type of location i uh, i don't know did we ever upload the podcast that you did with richard where you talked about this um wait we, we, we it should be out at some point soon yeah we, we did because it was good because you offered a couple it, of examples so. in that one um because everyone thinks of this and they kind of they picture themselves to confined space training you know yes. which obviously you know a lot of people who do specialist work point. they think of that they don't think of other locations where this can come into account but um the actual, the actual, point, yeah, the actual addition here really is a, a method of additional protection with supplementary protective potential bonding, and it had this um, this need to say if functional earthing is required because obviously we're understanding that you know functional earthing is really starting to become more and more apparent um, in the new code of practice. There's a whole new approach to functional earthing. We've got the symbols with that. It's going to be provided. The new code of practice. This is the, the... PAT testing code. Oh, do you know what? I just received that the other day. I, I've got a highlighter pen on it and the cover ready to go. Yeah. Well, the, the code of practice for the in-service inspection and testing of electrical equipment. To, yeah, to I do like the fact that they've the removed the term PAT testing. That's not a bad thing. Um, I haven't read it yet. Does it clearly define the boundaries of 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 what an installation is now? Or is it, or is it a bolt-on to part six? It's, it's yeah, it's... Um, it's done a lot to try to help raise awareness of the different types of equipment that should still be within its scope. They always were within its scope, but were never approached. A lot of the industry kind of just rested on plugs and so, you know, plug and that was it. Yeah. So it's got rid of that, but it has confused the issue with regards to fixed equipment maintenance. It does say within it that really the fixed equipment maintenance should be carried out under BS 7671. You know, things like continuity protective conductor tests on EICRs should go to the exposed conductive parts of equipment is worded within that within that code that. within that code yeah but obviously that's not within the way that we actually do the work it's not is within it? the inspection and testing no either so that uh, that's a dramatic change to part oh that sounds like an amendment three yeah and um 
and they've it got, really does. Like, yeah, and they've got a couple of other little bits in there, such as different levels of competency. I mean, we should really do our own little chat on this sometime. But well, it let me use the book on it. Yeah, it introduced a functional, like a potential, uh, a functional uh, thing, and that's been added here to conduct a location with restricted movement. It just, you know, we know that the protective measure here is, um, you know, if you're working in a confined space and you're in an environment around you that is conductive, but if this equipment is also going to have functional earthing then there needs to be supplementary bonding there to equalize any potential differences for this functional earth so for those listening functional earth not a term we use much is defined in 7671 as earthing of a point or points in a system or in an installation or in equipment for purposes other than electrical safety such as for proper functioning of electrical equipment mm-hmm. and that's yeah. key it's the correct functioning of the equipment so functional earths we find them now on rcbo's uh, a lot of them, um, although they remove them now, on a lot of them, but the Schneider ones, they still have the functional earth on the back of the clip, uh, which mm-hmm. I'm showing on the YouTube video. Um, I've actually highlighted it. That's a bit weird, isn't it? I've put a highlight pen on the side of a breaker, um, just because my eyesight is getting worse. Um, yeah. But yeah, functional earth is when functional earth is required. You should see how much kit now is requiring connection. I, mm, I've not I seen a lot any. of equipment. I think a lot of equipment these days has the earth for the protective conductor purpose but things like leakage current you know we say you know equipment has an allowance of leakage current i think a lot of equipment utilizes it's that for functional purpose but, yeah. but has it undercover as a protective conductor yeah. current i think I we're going to see a lot more of this on certainly in that prosumer section there's going to be a lot more yeah. functional earthing involved because it's in that particular way it's pretty much essential if you're going to be here uh, switching between different supplies and things and i i completely agree with you dave i do think that the protective conductor current or the leakage current is actually functional earthing of that piece of equipment because it needs somewhere to go and if it doesn't where will it go other than just sit there and idly get hot and burn out equipment in the day it needs to discharge that energy otherwise the energy will build up um right moving on um i'm I'm just going to leave this to you dave because it's section 711 Oh, so exhibition shows and stands. Yeah, um, they've added some extra protective requirements. Let me just read this one. This is um, 410.3.101. So 410 is protecting against electric shock in there. So it says, except for final circuits of safety services, all final circuits not exceeding 32 amp that supply socket outlets, all final circuits for lighting and final circuits supplying handheld equipment that has a rated current not exceeding 32 amp. So it's all final circuits up to 32 amp, basically will be protected by ADS with an RCD to 30 milliamp. And it says in there, with additional protection, so that's what the RCD is for, supplied by Selv or Pelv, or have electrical separation of circuits with each socket outlet and handheld equipment being supplied from individual isolating transformers. So this is where your, your, this is your, um, your 413 method of protection, electrical separation for one item of equipment only. Um, it's just it's just similar protective functions that they had in uh, a couple of other areas of part seven where equipment that has you know you know up to 32 amp just needs protection by rcd self or electrical separation really um and that's it really it's not it's not nothing new really i think i think it's just something that wasn't well written before yeah okay. more R- more rcds is going to be the common interpretation with that yeah and when we look at events, RCDs, they just go hand in hand now. So moving on, because there's another change to 7-Eleven, isn't there? There is a technical rewrite of the protection requirements for TN systems, because yes. beforehand it said, we don't like PME. We don't want you to use PME. 
But if you use PME, you've got to make sure you've got supervised, skilled, instructed persons babysitting it. And you've got to make sure the effectiveness of that earthing is suitable for the event. They just didn't really like PME. Um, obviously, what they've done is they've introduced a regulation which is very, very, very similar to one of the ones uh, to the, the latest TN system protection in Section 722, which we'd have seen after Amendment 1, where we're looking at, uh, and it, it just says, except for part of an installation within a building, a PME earthing facility shall not be used as the means of earthing of an installation falling within the scope of this section. So don't use PME, except where one of the following applies. So protection against electric shock is provided by a device. This device will disconnect the unit from the live conductors of the supply and from the protective earth in accordance with 543.3.3.1012, which is a you know, disconnection um, of earthing there. This is in within five seconds in the event of the voltage between the circuit protective conductor and earth exceeding 70 volts due to open circuit fault in the pen conductor of the low voltage network. This device need not operate if the voltage is to exceed 70 volts for a period of less than four seconds. So we're allowed to go over 70 for up to four seconds. It'll provide isolation to be selected in accordance with table 537.4. Closing or resetting of this device is only possible if the voltage between the circuit protective conductor and earth has not exceeded this value of 70 volts. Uh, the alternative is, a other, is another device of some form which achieves what we've just discussed. So, you know, or equivalent safety. And we've seen this in part seven in 722. Yeah, this is a strange thing, really, because this is the one that needs some kind of probe or thing in the actual earth itself to measure the voltage between that and the conductors in the circuit. And then it's into the same can of worms as putting earth electrodes in and how can't be near to the rest of the system and all of that. So it, it looks like just a copy and paste from the uh, electric vehicle section. But they've only put in that one and then the alternative yes, device. Because obviously the electric vehicle section has had these new devices. They've brought in these new alternative interpretations for TN system protection, but that's not come here. This is just talking about that one device that watches or uh, that monitors the voltage. Yeah. And do you know where this four seconds things come from? Because I mean, is it perfectly okay to shock people for four seconds and kill them? And then if it's longer than five, that's fine. You can disconnect. But that's a very strange time length to uh, allow a dangerous voltage to hang around, doesn't it? But... Yeah, it really is. We need to, yeah, we need to find someone who knows more about this particular subject matter and ask them to come and explain it in English. So, um, I mean, the thing is, I mean, we know these new, you know, we know these charges are out there. We know they've got their own innovative methods, but they are not doing this. They're doing something else, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're basically relying on the voltage between line and neutral going outside the normal range, which is yeah. reasonable in some circumstances, not all of them, but this is literally between the protective conductors and the actual earth itself. So, mm. yeah. But to have that, you're going to have to have this extra electrode for reference, and yeah. that's what's missing. Um, you found a device once, didn't you, that had this, but... There was some charging thing that some company made, but uh, it didn't make it clear exactly how it worked or what you were supposed to do, but it definitely had a sort of a probe that went into the ground and presumably monitored the voltage between the two, but yeah. it was all very vague and not very uh, informative as to exactly what it worked with and whether it complied with any standard or not. So, But the fact that it's coming in here into 7.11, and it's also mentioned in 7.17, suggests to me they are happy with this protective um 
this protective method or this device. So I'd really like to know exactly what it is that they're that they're that they're. Yeah. I mean, the, the principle along of here. it, the sort of principle of it, is okay, mm. but it requires you've got to have that electrode probe or whatever in the actual ground or the earth itself. And if you've got PME system nearby, that's got to be probably 10 meters plus away from any other extraneous parts in the ground that are connected to it. Otherwise, if the fault occurs, that voltage will just transfer across onto your sensing electrode and it won't work. So, it's, yeah. and if you're going to be that far away and you're going to put electrodes in, why not just make it a TT anyway? Yes, which is what a lot of it's done anyhow. So, well, just, just for completeness, I read this out and I said, protecting this electric shock is provided by a device which disconnects the unit from the live conductors of the supply from the protective earth in accordance with 543.3.3.101. Just to complete this, this is with regards to switching devices installed in the protective conductor. It's an exception. So obviously we don't normally put switches in a protective conductor. One of the exceptions being where a multipole linked switching is in the protective conductor circuit, it's not integrated before the live conductor and is re-established not later than when the live conductors are reconnected, which is, you know, common common understanding what we would want to achieve. We would never switch the protective conductor before the live conductors. We'd never make the live conductors before them. It, there's a, it's a, you know... Yeah, it's an established thing. Certainly like you had a three-phase board and you inexplicably put a four-pole isolator in, yeah. it has to be designed so that the neutral remains connected longer than the other three. Otherwise, mm -hmm. bad things happen, to say the least. So, uh, so That's what that longer regulation mentioned in this is all about. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe we can do a little um, journey just to see if we can trigger, uh, you know, pinpoint this device down, or maybe we can see if anyone's up for approaching us to talk about it more. <clears throat> so I, so um, if you just yeah. carry on because I'm just reading, um, reading a document. I'm reading effects of current on human beings and livestock. Are IEC you looking for four seven dash two? Um, I'm looking because there, I read something somewhere that made the statement um, effectively of to cause ventricular fibrillation, you need a minimum of 500 milliamp for a certain amount of time. Um, and then when you look at the, where the, not, the 30 milliamp come from, it relates to pigs and sheep and animals and various other bits. But I'll be honest with you, I'm not this, this German scientist who have written all of these wonderful white papers that have contributed to this standard, but I'm just trying to find that reference. So just crack okay. on through. Yeah. Say that four seconds. I mean, it's any voltage over 70. So you could have like 200 volts there for four seconds. That's fine, apparently, which seems excessive to say the least. But yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's reason for it somewhere. So yeah, I mean, I to, me, in my hand. to me, especially in, in exhibitions where there's going to be lots of portable equipment, lots of distribution around, this is a little bit scary to think about this because this could be you know, an earth that's also connected to structures and all sorts. And if this voltage could rise to that value for a period of over four seconds and within five, it's more than enough time. Should we push, should we push on while Paul reads? Yeah, go for it. Go on. Yeah, I'll move on to the next, because uh, I say that's, it's basically a copy and paste from the vehicle section, so it's the same yeah. problems that are included there. So moving on then, it's 712, which is uh, PV or photovoltaic power supply systems and uh we, we kind of we kind of looked at this and we understood i mean it says in the scope this applies to installations of pv generators that supply all or part of the installation and feeding of the electricity into the public grid or local distribution the equipment of the pv generator like any other item of equipment is dealt with only so far as its selection and application in the installation is concerned 
The installation of the generator starts from the PV module or set of PV modules connected in series with their cables, provided by the module manufacturer up to the user installation and utility supply point. This has been quite a quite an exhaustive rewrite of scope. Yeah, there's a lot um, of expanded and sort of it, covers a lot more is. stuff now than it did before. Um, and I think obviously they're, they're anticipating that people are going to revisit 712, quite a few people. And I expect that this is probably due to um, Prosumer um, being a new um, a new direction for BS7671. And so people are going to have to reapproach solar. Uh, a lot of people who may be doing solar now are putting in the array and they're obviously connecting it to the grid. But when it comes to prosumer, there's a slight adjustment. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of big changes, really, in terms of that. I mean, the prosumer situation allows you to run in island mode, which means when there's a power failure, your solar generator doesn't actually shut down. It continues powering your installation, but mm. it's separated from the grid. And the other thing is that until relatively recently, certainly for domestic installations, they're all basically limited to about three or three and a half kilowatts because... That was the maximum you were allowed to get when you had the feed-in tariff, where exactly. it was given 41 pence a unit. Yeah. But the thing is, now that that tariff has gone away, there's no reason not to put a much bigger system that's, on your house. If you've got you know, that's true. There's probably a lot of arrays out there that are actually smaller than they could potentially be because of the the, the cap on what you can actually yeah. have. So if you've got a big roof, why not put a 10 kilowatt array <laughs> there? More on. Why yeah. not? I mean, it's, it's free electricity, isn't it, basically? So that artificial limit on the size of it is is gone now. So we could be seeing a lot bigger installations coming in for even domestic ones. I think I think with I mean we're going to talk about more about prosumers soon, but I can see solar. Solar is a separate subject. It's definitely a separate subject from the typical electrotechnical apprenticeship. The training needs to update definitely. And it needs to kind of either be modular with smart homes or something for the sake of prosumer installers. But um, I think a lot of electricians are going to have to start relooking at solar, um, and it will probably in the next year or so, whilst this is being considered. There'll be lots of new approaches to solar and methods of installation and even training courses being created, I think. Yeah, I think so. And unfortunately, a lot of the solar stations that were done in the past under the uh, massive subsidy scheme were done by companies which just popped up and appeared out of nowhere, yep. banked in a load of solar stuff, and then disappeared just as quickly. So, well, I remember when when um, when the government announced the deadline, a lot of a lot of stuff, a lot of companies just popped up to get the contracts and to get the things arranged and get things signed up. And some installations still didn't happen for months after the fact. You know, because everyone was just cap you know capitalizing on the on the um the feed the feeding tariff and before it got dropped. Um, <clears throat> so we've got a couple of little things in seven twelve. Um, we've got mention about safety of the generator itself, and it had an interesting note that said applicable national or local fire protection requirements apply under thermal effects. So. I, I need to look more into what that's actually pointing at. I mean, is it is it just pointing at national fire standards? Are we looking at fire safety reform order? I mean, what what, what else could there be for that? So, you know. And then we've got under thermal effects in there as well. It's talking about the um, potential of insulation faults on the D side on the array and the consideration of insulation monitoring devices i see insulation monitoring devices becoming more of a popular 
um, point raised in BS7671 over quite a, a broad spectrum, but a lot of electricians still haven't even heard of them or installed them. Yeah, so, I think it's it's another, I mean, they've existed for a long time, but it's not so something that most people have even seen. Mm-hmm. But given the complexity of installations that's now coming into, I think it's inevitable we're going to be seeing a lot more of that type of equipment, which is basically a thing that sits there and actually monitors the installation continuously for certain yeah. types of faults. And to be honest, I mean, in, you know, it could be that in, you know, installing IMDs in installations could be a good idea because it might save save a lot of IR testing and stuff, you know. Yeah, and certainly for things like solar installations on the DC, because if you've got your, say, a rat chewed through the solar cables on the roof mm. and they're short together, ultimately you're not going to detect that with your conventional circuit breakers and things. So... But if you do that, the cable's going to get hot, melt, and potentially set on fire. So, yeah. the last these, place people uh, want fires to start. Um, so yeah, these devices that monitor the actual uh, installation—it's like a well leakage current in a kind of way. But uh, yeah, I think mm. that's going to be uh, fairly inevitable. Uh, and an- another little interesting one was uh, where functional bonding is applied to the live conductor inside the inverter on the DC side. Means will be provided to ensure the interruption of the fault current. In case of an installation fault worth in accordance with table seven twelve five three seven, so brought this term of functional bonding, which mm. you know we've had to kind of you know research to understand because it's not really something that we often consider as a functional. Well, I think amendment two. There's a comment. There's a comment right there, isn't it? Is do we need to redefine what functional bonding is because the inference given within them chapters in, infers that the equipment is now um, opting to use functional bonding internally, which is going to use the protective conductor. Mm. Yeah, and the thing is, how are you going to know whether that equipment has got it? Because obviously, decent manufacturers may well put it in, but obviously, if you buy some lower cost and unusually sourced item, then uh, <laughs> who's to say what's going on inside? So, yeah. there's a lot in there, sort of along product standards and things as well. Which, uh, yeah, and there's in in um seven twelve dot four three four three is overcurrent protection. Um, there's been a uh, an introduction of a lot of a lot of um, scenarios based on overcurrent protection here, and we're not going to go through it in this podcast. We do need to do a dedicated um, study on this, just kind of bring it in as a standard, as a single regulation, I think, uh, where you're looking at the number of strings and you're looking at the actual uh, arrangement and then you're working out the short circuit current that can occur. Um, again, this this will probably be one of the main study points with training to, pro- to get short circuit protection so yeah. I, I can I, I will make a request to a PV expert and see if I can get him to do an emergency ad hoc one mm. where we just talk about PV because it's definitely worth talking about. So I'll yeah, the problem with short circuit current on solar panels is that even if you get the two leads and literally run them together in full sun, the actual amount mm. of current there is pretty low mm. compared to what you get from a normal installation. So it's not just a question of sticking in normal circuit breakers in there and it trips off because it won't. So exactly oh the panels now are getting quite efficient they're a lot more efficient than what they were 10 years ago a hell of a lot more oh yeah but say so if you short out your main supply home you're going to have what a couple of thousand amps there oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, when, when we um, when we were first started delivering training on this we would actually short out solar panels to actually measure the isc yeah it was one of the me- it was one of the practicals that we did we go out we take the panel we point at the right angle and we take a measurement and we'd short it out um so yeah but they're probably a lot more efficient these days so I have done my reading, chaps. If we You've done your back. reading? I've done my reading. So published document 
6519, published in 1988, also known as IEC 647 point, Part 1, 1984. It's called Guide to Effects of Current Passing Through the Human Body. And it's fascinating because what it does do is it introduces new terms like threshold of perception, threshold of let go, threshold of ventricular fibrillation, which in our language is heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um and it in- interestingly says, uh, threshold of perception, a general value of 0.5 milliamps. Independent of time is assumed. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Threshold of let go, a value of about 10 milliamps is assumed within this guidance note. The threshold of ventricular fibrillation depends on psychological parameters. There are four psychological zones in regards to effects of electric shock. Um, and anatomy of the body, state of cardiac fluxions, etc., as well as electrical parameters, duration, pathway, current flow, kind of currents, etc. For shock durations below 0.1 second, fibrillation may occur for current magnitudes above 500 milliamps. Mm-hmm. So 500 milliamps, 0.1 seconds. If it's over 500 milliamps, less than 0.1 of a second, you're going to get a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Interesting that we consider it 30 milliamps um still haven't found that little gem by the way um it then says in adapting these results from animal experiments to human being curves were created um the high level of short durations of exposure between 10 milliseconds and 100 milliseconds was chosen as the descending line from 500 milliamp down to 400 milliamp on the basis of electrical accident information um lower durations longer than one one second was chosen as a descending line from 50 milliamp to 40 milliamp and then it mentions three seconds but it doesn't state what happens after three seconds. How old Um, is this? This is 1988. This is probably, there is a German chap whose video we have who tried to kill himself in 1959. um, And he evidently has been Knoll, Valven, WB, Knickerbocker, G, Chesen, R. Milner. I can't even pronounce all the rest of these names, but there's lots of people who've written loads and loads of papers experimenting on animals. And it does actually state at the very start, because it gives a value of total impedance of the human body as averaged 500 ohms for the fifth percentile of the population. But at a touch voltage, there's an actual table for total body impedance. At 50 volts, you can either be in 5% of the population and have a total impedance of 1,450 ohms, or in 95% of the population have a total body impedance of 4,375 ohms. So... um, yeah, this is why lots... they come up with standard rules of thumb, don't they? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's interesting because it even says when when voltage hits the skin, the impedance of the skin um, will break down, temperatures will change. This this is of all the standards I've written. This I've written, I've read. This is the most interesting one. But it does state that obviously um, not many human beings have been experimented on. Um, yeah, it doesn't say no human beings have been experimented on. It just kind of says it's very and limited. Su- and subsequently, they need to then test on the state. I mean, you mentioned the state of, you know, there's age, there's health, there's state of, um, you know, respiration, you know, respiration. There's, met, there's um, you know, you could be wet at work. And this is like I, I do when I do uh, courses, I cover the threshold of perception. So those are all familiar terms to me. Um, so there's one. But the, the, a, it's it's still, you know, it's an old standard. And there's there's a chapter called Effects of DC Current. State starts off with saying accidents with DC current are much less frequent than would be expected from the number of DC applications. This was written in 1974. <clears throat> We're using DC all the time. Yeah. The problem is there. The uh, mm. you know the 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 
attitude of that was in regards to the use of DC back then. And it says, unlike uh, AC, there is no definable threshold of let go for DC current of magnitudes below 300 milliamp. Um, uh, above approximately 300 milliamp of DC, let go may be impossible or only possible after several seconds or minutes of shock duration. Bloody hell. Um, 300 milliamps of DC is a sensation of warmth felt in the extremities during the flow of current. Oof. <laughs> oh, what a, what what a weird read. This standard is um, IEC 479 Part 1, General Aspects, Effect of Current Passing Through the Human Body. I um, I, I highlight stuff when I read it. Yeah, I've got about half a dozen standards and things about effects of the human body, so I may have that yeah, one. This is part I need one. to look at them. It's part one. That's the only one I'm going to be perfectly honest. Right. The reason it took so long is yeah. I don't understand any of the other parts because it's pure maths and. Well, there's loads theory. of tables. There's loads of tables. There's loads of tests. So where? So I mean, coming back to this, this is all about okay. Why four seconds over seventy volts? Mm. Um, I can't see anything in this. Yeah, I've looked for seventy volts. I can't find anything. Yeah. So I think that perhaps the science needs to be looked at again. But by whom? Bizra. Beamer, who? I don't know. My concern is they're probably referring to a standard that is old or a or study that is old that may not be used considering the utilization of electrical systems today. Of course it is, without a you doubt. Know, and so so when you when you think about that, it might not be as safe as they consider. But who knows? It might be that this is worst case that they're kind of giving a little bit, you know, that yeah. they do that when they don't have an exact number, they always just Maybe. give you a little nudge. Maybe someone listening to this can actually go away and ask the question in the, no, in the nosebleeds of the electrical industry. Have we updated that 1974 original piece of research um, for DC being used everywhere and, uh, you know, accident statistics and coroner's reports and various other modern progresses of technology and science? And please let us know. Please educate us. Please help us. Yes, we'd like yeah. to understand when we, we see do. the regulations say it's okay up to four seconds. Blah, blah, blah. We want to know why. We want to know why so we can explain, you know. We want to explain to ourselves to. so we can share that understanding can, in that way. So we can assess risk and we can do well, all this stuff. We can make better decisions as well, Dave, at the end of the day, isn't it? That's that's yeah. the key thing. But it's um, like when I do a health and safety training, I don't go fuses to protect people. I don't go ask to protect people. I go through ventricular fibrillation. I go through set threshold of perception. I go through the different levels of current. So they can then see why that 30 milliamp has been used. Mm. We, you know, And that's basic stuff. Uh, but when we come to this kind of device... We need the same. Yeah, we need okay. to understand the difference as to why four seconds, but not more. Why no more than five? Why seventy volts? I agree. <clears throat> I agree. Right. What's, okay. where, where, where were we? Sorry. We chat. just we were just about to finish uh, seven twelve, and we we're just talking right at the end of seven twelve and four four three. They've added a requirement to consider over voltage protection. Fantastic. Okay. I'm doing it at the moment as it's yeah. Uh, we, yeah. I knew this was coming, so I've already got this on my stuff. Yeah. And how did you know it was coming, Paul? Because I um, um, did my due diligence, um, which um, some people think I don't do, but I do. And I um, looked ahead into the future in my crystal ball and revised everything around the number 60364. And yeah. then just added a part or a number. And when I saw a standard that was draft for public comment, I would download it and read it and go, hmm, there's a technical intent there. I see the logic well explained. That potentially and with that same approach, we saw... In those European standards, 60364, these countries that were abandoning type A C R C Ds. 
we did. You know, we've also exact seen the same thing. We've also seen the fact that the fundamental principles has had quite a major rewrite as well, but it's not in Amendment 2 yet. So I'm quite excited, if that is a term I can use, for Amendment 3 and well, the 19th edition. We've got, I mean, we've got all of next year for people to chew on this, and at least we've got other work to do looking at the next one, trying to yeah. keep ourselves and, up. And I actually, I'm, I'm, I know it sounds really weird, and I know a lot of people criticise its manufacturers, it's a cash. This, I'm actually, I find this stuff quite exciting in respects of its, its... It's great to see technology uh, growing as a tool. It's sad to see us kind of lagging around the rest of the world when I'm a big believer in, you know, buy British, invest in British technology and everything else like that. And British manufacturers and companies and, you know, employ local people and apprenticeships and all that. It would be nice if we can maybe start steering the ship back to a stronger footing as far as UK manufacturing going and being leaders and not followers. In yeah. that sense, that would be pretty cool if we can yeah, get there. Yeah, yeah. It will take decades, but it'd be nice to put that that direction in the auto pilot and push the button. That'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, next. next one that had a big change is in 717, which is mobile or transportable units, um, which again are used in events and similar. And this is again TN systems. A PME earthy facility should not be used and except for one of the following. And it adds. This unit is located indoors or it's outdoors, but on an upper story or a roof. So not obviously in the car park or out on the grass. Or it then recovers the regulation we've just been discussing in in uh, exhibition shows and stands. This device that achieves protection and disconnection of the protective conductor within uh, five seconds, or no, within four seconds, but no longer than five, etc. Same thing. Copy and paste, as John would say, from 722. Yeah, it is. And it it's is, the but... same thing, other than it being on the roof, then it's <laughs> the same stuff. So, uh, but it, the it's, it's the common theme, though, that Amendment 2 is hinting that PME is a, um, when I say PME, I'll use the correct terminology, TNCS as a earthing facility is not reliable nor robust anymore due to the age of the network. PME is basically 40 years old now, if not a little bit older than 40 years. The design life for the TNCS original concentric cabling was 40 years. They're coming to the end of their life. Mm. We know we have more instances of broken pen. We know that the PME part of of that CNE cable is only where the electrodes are spiked. We know from having seen recent evidence where the DNOs do joints on CNE cables, which combine neutral nerve, that they're not putting earth rods in where they should do. We know that the network's in a very poor state, and we also know that the old PILK TNS cabling has been adapted and changed to be pen cables. They've jointed, you know, they've used concentric, joined it onto PILK, so your neutral and earth now in the street are one and the same, regardless of the age of the cable, which makes it even more potentially hazardous. They're just sticking a sticky plaster over the issue, aren't they, really? And the thing is, we've seen we've seen a couple of um, documents that have actually said that to that effect. Yes, um, I can think of VS seven nine oh nine as one example. Yeah, which was published in two thousand and eleven, where it basically says that they are, you know, PME are sometimes repaired or TNS are sometimes repaired as PME. Um, yeah, it is. It's and it's so anyway, it's it's. I think something's going to go, and the, I, I've spoken to the people in the JPL committee about this. And uh, it's fairly evident that the networks are crumbling and they're failing. Mm. Something needs to be done. I think the future in generations time will be TT in some form or or maybe just a reliance on the new Foundation Earth Electrode. Well, again, yeah. I mean, if you think about Foundation Earth Electrodes and Prosumer, I think 
a lot of it is going to be protection should be independent of the distributor. And and the worst thing is, is uh, and I'll say this is the worst thing is, even with that, even with our own local earth thing, you've still got the problem of the neutral and earth are shared. So you can still have a broken neutral. You can still have that hazard appear. Now, the biggest challenge, and I find it um, slightly ironic that everything is now RCPOs. So we're required to have RCPOs on, on every circuit now, pretty much. And yet in the event of a broken pen, it won't see that fault. So is this technology going to have to adapt? Now, we've been looking at this technology. And if you look at the Schneider or the Square D stuff, it's fairly evident that for maybe nearly 20 years, these devices have had the capability of monitoring a rise in voltage on the neutral of 50 volts and then tripping. It's although it's been buried. It's it's been a moot subject clearly that the industry just can't tell us or open up about this uh, problem of yes. open uh, electric vehicle clearly um, did because of uh, because of that because of the application of that. But as you say, this that, that device has been out for decades. Well, Schneider call it voltage. They've got two terms now, haven't they? Voltage independent technology and voltage dependent technology, which is kind of like latching and non-latching RCDs um, in the event of this broken pen. But effectively what it does is, from what I can understand, and we're still probing them, is the neutral and an earth, the functional earth, there's some sort of link that occurs to allow it to get a steady reading so it can monitor the secondary side of the RCD and still protect. But again, why is all of this adaption having to be done by the consumer in their installation for a network failing? And Mr. Skirm, uh, his views on it have always been very clear, and that is every time you get a broken pen, million pound fine to mm. the DNOs. They'll soon upgrade the infrastructure and sort it out. Yep, yeah, yeah, I can't argue with that. No, I can't. Um, the, the back end of 717 is an annex, uh, which is also one, I think, 7, um, 711. Which just talks about this uh, PME, the pen failure, and it's it's similar to stuff from section seven two two. So we don't need to go through all of that. Doesn't it mention though a separation distance of at least eight meters? It to does. Yeah. Voltage transfer. Eight meters. Yes. Um, it refers to seven four three zero. In yeah. conditions where only buried, exposed, and extraneous conductive parts equivalent to vertical and horizontal earth electrodes are being considered. The separation distance of at least 8 metres reduces the voltage transfer from the PME earthing system to less than 20%, and in these conditions, the voltage-operated device should operate at 56 volts within a separation distance of 2 metres. The voltage-operated device should operate at 40 volts. Therefore, where other types of earth electrodes are used, separation distances should be increased. So, voltage-operated device... Uh, this is what you've just been talking about. Um, yep. I can't think of the last time. I mean, other than a VOELCB. Indeed. That was the last time, which was We've 84, not... that was taken oh. out. So, well, 81, actually, but then it was hang around for a Coming bit. Coming back. Yeah. But the, the key there is this distance between other parts that are connected to the PMRT system, because the closer you get to them, the more voltage is going to be transferred across and the lower thing it's got to operate at. And if you get too close, it's going to trip randomly and all over the place anyhow. So it's uh, it's this, mm. if you're going to go for eight metres away, you might as well make it a TT and sling the PME away anyhow. Because you're yeah. going to have to put your electrodes in anyway. So is this device even worth having if you're going to have to put it that far away? So. 
and this is what I'm considering at the moment is with with my house considering just putting in uh, a series of electrodes um, so that I can have my own earthing and then when I get the power supply upgraded just bring the line of neutral in and just ditch yeah. ditch the PME mm. completely brand new cable the fully insulated pipes as well you are <laughs> ditch the metal water pipes as well I know I love my metal water pipe. I love my lead water pipes you know no I don't actually I'll eventually do them as well in time mm. um yeah so not really much faith in in the whole TNCS um yeah it's, it all looks a bit sort of rushed and panicked in at the last minute and here's some solutions which might work some of the time and not really thought through all that well so it does and the thing is i mean for me a lot of the stuff a lot of the way that we have to then measure and test and all that is probably outside of an electrician skill set from apprenticeships from college so there's you know there's going to be a bit more learning to do this accurately and probably will be some resistance to that yeah, yeah i agree i mean even the thing about just testing earth electrodes doesn't seem to be that well covered and no, that's not often often it's just they draw it they don't even do yeah. it so yeah. i mean that's the fairly basic thing but once you get into like distances from other parts and the voltage and yeah mm. so so a lot. what i'm miffed about is the amount of references we're now making to other standards in depth bs999 as we covered in an earlier uh, podcast bs7430 heavily referenced heavily you know they're now they've now gone from a reference of you might want to consider these standards to you have to consider these standards so anyone who's really wanting to comply with the intent of especially special occasions 7430 is going to become an essential standard to have yeah i should imagine that there'll be a guide book written mm -hmm. well hopefully the guidance notes will well let's be honest about it, the guidance notes will have to be updated to incorporate all this stuff yeah, um, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah I imagine they probably have their own specific guidance on this. Right. Moving on very quickly then, EV charging, anything in that? Well, there's one, and there's a problem with this, which we'll uh, just get to. Um, basically, we've got a new bit, which is 72826 which refers to things in part eight. And it's where a device complying with one of those devices that you can have is used to protect... Uh, EV charge equipment in a prosumer's electrical installation, then the vehicle shall be electrically disconnected from the live conductors of the supply and from protective earth in accordance with uh, some regulation. So essentially, when you go into island mode where you're running on your own power, your electric vehicle has to be disconnected from the earth connection or from the supplier. Now, the problem here is that 722-826-3201 refers to a two six three two zero one, which you would expect to find in part eight. It's not there, so it's not in it. So eight two six three two zero one isn't there. No, it doesn't exist. There's an eight two six three, right? But there is no eight two six three two zero one. So what? Can I explain okay. that? Yeah. Okay. So these, uh, these books need to be go th gone through a lot more yeah. thoroughly before they get released for draft, because effectively we're doing their spell check, uh, grammar check, and their reg checking mm. for them. That it's other regulation really mentioned it, in there, the other regulation mentioned in there was that that same switching device that we covered in the previous oh, multiple brilliant. latching device that obviously breaks the protective conductor first and makes the protective sorry breaks the protective conductor last and makes the protective conductor first. Yeah, so this is. isn't new. This isn't new, by the way. This switching out of the protective conductor mm. was in the 16th edition. Yeah, yeah. it's just a method of switching. It's just edition. a Yes, for generators and other um, sets. In the webinar, which we did a couple of days ago, somebody actually asked about disconnecting the protective earth 
conductor mm -hmm. and I couldn't find it in there at the time and this is why it's because 826 isn't there so what's going on there it was smashing great so yeah so we've got it in the 72 bit but the actual thing in 826 um no there's there's nothing there so right well so okay right so <laughs> lads in a summary part seven what do you think summed up part seven um some of the over voltage protective requirements make sense you know expanding the need for yep, spds that's fine mm -hmm. the device that we've covered here that's in 711 and 717 that comes from 722 mm -hmm. this you know uh no more than four seconds or over four seconds no more than five seconds 70 volts i want to learn more about that i want to understand more about why that is there oh. yeah okay the two and a half meters for a socket from the bathroom I just kind of just go, mm, why? I just kind of, you know, there must be a reason. We'll find yeah. out in time. If yeah. you know, let us know. Yeah, um, there must be a reason. I don't, uh, uh, maybe the chord sets have changed. Maybe the low voltage directive says chord sets will now be this. I don't know. Maybe there's a change about to happen about the length of chord sets. I doubt it very much. Um, yeah. Half a metre, it's not really making any difference to anybody, is it? No. no. Uh, and so solar is adapting itself for prosumer. It's adapting itself to be a bit more complicated, <laughs> but um, which it needs I to be, I think. Which it needs to, and I think I think um, if electricians are going to be carrying on rewiring houses, and they want to in the same in the same one package offer for a homeowner a complete rewire, including the electric vehicle charging point, they'll do a course, including a solar array, they'll do a course, including a prosumer electrical installation. They're going to have to combine all of this, and we need to improve the standards of solar. The reporting of solar, mm. definitely. So it's a good step, um, but I'd like to kind of see it all packaged together a bit more. It will be interesting to see how this all comes out once all the comments are revised and what yeah. the final product looks like, which we'll find out in March 2022 when it's scheduled for release. John, quick summary. What do you think? Yeah, I think the there's a lot in there which needs looking at further for example on the electric vehicle charging the annex a722 has been totally rewritten mm. so that needs looking into in some detail and things like the solar is going to be i mean it's fairly big already in some areas but it's going to be massive it's going to end up being a pretty much a standard thing on houses particularly so what's in there now is is pretty much sort of an overview of the briefest parts of it so yeah there's going to be a lot more involved there in the future so fair enough right um i was hoping to get part eight covered ha, not a chance in this podcast so we'll be back again for mm. a part eight and that will finish up our our roundup post webinar of the 18th edition so um on behalf of the lads um until the next one take care of yourself and each other bye bye see ya bye